Today's episode of The Tune-Up is brought to you by Boiling Your Water, because apparently I don't follow any of my elected officials on social media. <laughs> it is Friday, May 1st, 2020, and coming up, uh, we'll get into a bunch of good stuff, including could the NBA return at the happiest place on earth, and also, Benny and I put together our own music sitcom. You won't want to miss it. This is The Tune-Up. Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher, and I am I am joined by the Snare Campaign Provocateur. And I'm just gonna say it. He's my push notification, even though we only talk twice a week. It's Benny Horowitz. <laughs> Denny, so so let's lay this out for people. <laughs> Denny, Denny just hits me up. We're on FaceTime, waiting for my house to get quiet, and he goes, "Oh, look, my mom knows more than I do. Apparently, I'm supposed to be boiling my water." And I'm like, "Friend." I'm I'm in a I'm in an exotic country far away from you and I knew there was a water main break and you were supposed to be boiling your water about 36 hours ago you just found out from your mom an hour after the ban was lifted meaning I don't know what you've been doing the last 36 hours It was also more than an an hour away oh man I'll tell you what So I've... so what's going on in your Twitter so you've already told me that you I know you follow probably about 700 different sports pundits uh, of all different ilks, and you don't follow one Jersey City municipal Twitter account? You don't follow a councilman, a mayor? Uh, no, no, no. Not no. one. No. And and why is this? Oh, because, you know, Benny, there, there's a thing you learn all, all about in pretentious journalism school. It's about the ratio of self-importance. And let me give you a little deep dive in, in into okay. this. On Twitter... You know, yeah. if you're trying to seem self-important, which you yes. know, that's the entire reason you get into media, of course, at all, it is it is more important to have more people following you than you are following. So it's all about the ratio. You learn this day one of journalism school. So currently, are you are you dead heat? Oh no, dead heat between no. followers. I'm like um. I'm like a buck fifty to two hundred up, so I'm like. Well, listen, I'm about I mean, ready to so cash my chips in. You want to give yourself a little uh, grace period then, and and uh, add some of your local people, so you're not ingesting toxic shit water uh, the next time this happens in a few months, because it probably will, man. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you the main things I'm seeing on my Twitter feed right now. Oh, that's good podcast material right there. It, let's <laughs> let's let's live feed your Twitter feed. <laughs> it is a vote on the best reality stars of the 21st century. Oh, Christ. Uh, re- rewinds from every single sports team I follow, and then just people promoting books and music, plus a couple DMs, which apparently my DMs aren't broken, so... You know what to do. Anyway. Sliding into him. <laughs> Listen, man, you, you never know. See, this is where you're not even using it in the right way, right? Like, like my my mayor knows I exist because of Twitter. Yeah, that's like, true. Like, you can start using this to, to work your proper channel. Are you still power? Tr- do you follow Howard Stern? Are you still no, trying to get into no, that no, side no. of the come serious on, building? You probably should. Maybe follow, slide into Howie's DMs. I follow... Three serious people, two of which follow me back, and you can guess the one that doesn't. You guessed it. It's Christopher Mad Dog Russo. 
Well, listen. Even though I have his phone number, so it's like totally. It's like, gonna it get real boring real fast if we're just gonna go through your Twitter followers. But Danny, oh, oh I'm cutting all of this. Let out. me do you a favor. <laughs> just stop, stop getting the news from your mammy, <laughs> and try to and try to make a direct line to the things that really affect you. I mean, you have a girlfriend. Sometimes she's sleeping over. You know, you need to. You need Careful, to take my grandma care. listens to this while she's You need so to take it. You need to take care of business in your own home, Denny. <laughs> Follow your local councilman. So okay? I shouldn't be it's drinking easy. this. This is from it's my refrigerator. Easy. I should not. Oh, your delicious latte water is back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is already off the rails, so I guess it's time to get in this day in music history. This day in music history brought to you by lip syncing. Oh, you thought I could produce a studio quality recording over a Zoom call? Lip syncing. For what your face lift couldn't hide. (laughs) (laughs) Benny, what's your submission? (laughs) So, this day, 1967, very famously, Elvis Presley and Priscilla Boulot were married. Elvis and Priscilla, which created a, a huge rock and roll narrative one of the more famous and well-known marriages and couples at the time. And still, even, you know, I didn't even understand who Elvis Presley was until nearly 30 years after this, and I knew of this courtship. So they were only together six years until 1973, uh, which would even show me that it was a, even more of a powerful relationship <laughs> that it was so short. So this day, 67, Elvis and Priscilla wed. You know what I love about this day in music history? Without fail, there has been an arrest of a prominent musician or producer or something every single day on this thing. So, you know, that kind of gives me hope in humanity. But, uh, oh, oh, (laughs) here's what I'm going to do today, all right? I'm going to go with a little Fleetwood Mac today. Mm. On this day in 1984, Fleetwood Mac drummer Mick Fleetwood filed for bankruptcy. Amazing. I mean, we've covered in the last couple months, how many times have we talked about the amount of albums Mick Fleetwood has sold and the kind of numbers that rumors pushed around the world? Who knows what that guy got into? That that might be some Charles Barkley-level gambling problems, uh, uh, Tom Cruise-level Scientology problems. I don't know what happened there, but that was that's a lot of fucking money to lose. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And then I have one more submission, uh, strictly because, you know, he's shown love to you guys and, and Gaslight over the years. On this day, in 2005, Matchbox 20 singer Rob Thomas went number one on the U.S. album chart with his first solo album, Something to Be. Wow, went Rob Thomas. I do. <laughs> I, from everything I've heard about that guy, super nice. But I got to keep saying that because he keeps playing our songs at sold-out places. Uh, so... This day in 1973, I kind of had a fun one, you know. I was like, oh, it became Marvin Gaye Day in Washington, D.C. in 1973. What a great day. I'd love to go down and uh, celebrate on U Street May 1st, one of these days, for Marvin Gaye Day. But then I'm like, I'm going to have a little more fun. And in 1989, police in California were called to a jewelry store after employees reported a suspicious person. This suspicious person happened to be Michael Jackson wearing fake glasses and a mustache pretending to be someone else in the jewelry store. So I'm like, oh, that's a cute story. That's funny. 
Guess what I find out from a little digging around? TMZ unearths video footage of this exact jewelry store uh, outing. And guess who he happens to be with? One of the young men from the Finding Neverland doc who accused him of buying uh, engagement rings and such. So here's what we got to do, Denny. Yeah. Every time I open this door, I'm led into like the strange purgatory of glows flying up and down like in Beetlejuice or something. I got to declare the tune-up an MJ free zone for a little while. It's got to happen. I'm closing the door. If it's not Michael Jordan... I'm cutting it off for a few months. I don't want to dance with the devil like this <laughs> wait anymore. A, wait a minute. So he's been dead for what five years, and we're yeah. and we're just declaring this oh a Michael Jackson free zone. We probably should have done it earlier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we probably should. Oh, Michael Jackson. I, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for fighting for Thriller as much as I did. Uh, all right. Well, <laughs> on it gets a uh, what's the old. A-Rod six-month suspension and like a half a million dollar fine for this. MJ, you're going away. Beat it. You're, you're out of here. Beat it. There you go. <laughs> Which is probably why he got in trouble in the first... I don't know. I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> That's too far. All right. Let's get into our first story of the day. It is... The NBA is trying to get back, even though I don't know how much this is actually possible. Uh, Shams Shanaria, wonderful guy from Stadium, The Athletic, Big newsbreaker in the NBA. He's reporting that the NBA is looking at Disney World in Orlando, Florida as its main area to get back and try to finish the season and get into the postseason. There are so many elements of this that I like, especially the idea of all of these guys in a radius that has, I don't know, like 5,000 hotel rooms. So there's nobody coming in that they don't know. I love all of this. Benny, what's your favorite part of the idea of the NBA, all of these grown men congregating in Buena Vista, Florida? Well, there's a number of things I like about this. I mean, well, first, let's just put it out there. Yeah. Let's just Florida, right? Yeah. Like, in some ways, I don't mean that in a disparaging way this time. Some ways I do. But they're kind of becoming like the new Texas in their, like, tendency to just go rogue. You know what I mean? It's like... One of the few places I would even expect to just see like politicians and policymakers pushing for something like this because it's a very unique place. Okay, um, I mean, uh, Iger literally made a pitch to the NBA Board of Governors himself. There's a previous relationship. This is literally sort of already like an NBA complex with uh, NBA uh, pro ready. Uh, you know, hoops and floors and equipped with the technical uh, devices. I don't know how else you would say it, but but everything to actually broadcast this in the right way. And then to top it off, it's a 39 square mile property. It's heavily fortified. Like, like you had said, plenty of space, plenty of rooms. Uh, and also, you know, even these proposals from like Las Vegas, from Arizona, you know, you're still in the middle of a city. Millions of people. There's like like tons of variables that could happen in a hundred different ways. This is like this unique thing. Where else in America do you have like forty squared off miles of walled off, you know, uh, area with no access, you know, besides for security gates and check ins and things like that? It's like 
It's already some sort of weird mini built-in country with its own security system. And I can actually attest to that, having driven a van through a Disney complex trying to get to the Orlando House of Blues and being almost tased by, like, six Disney cops. Like, that shit's serious. Wait, hold on. I got to hear more about this story. I got to inquire further. Gaslight played the Orlando House of Blues in downtown Disney? Yeah, a couple times. I need times. to hear more about this show. Yeah, a couple times. And the second time we went, I-, I couldn't tell you exactly what the show was or who it was. I don't remember. But, uh, you know, when you go on tour for a really long time and you are making whatever, six, eight-hour drives a day, and you're a few weeks into it, you start to kind of feel like a trucker in the way that, like, you own the road. You know what I mean? It's kind of like your place. You've been out there all day. You know, someone coming to and from work, you're like, eh, (laughs) scoop of chocolate, scoop of vanilla. Don't waste my time, you know? Um, So, you know, we pulled up to the complex, and there was an open gate. I saw that you had to drive... Yeah, a little bit through like a pedestrian path to get to the other side where the House of Blues was. And I'd known from a previous tour that if you don't drive into this, you're you're taking carts from a parking lot a couple hundred feet away, which is no fun. So I just went for it, man. I'm driving head in hand out the window, taking it slow, making sure I'm safe. I made it to the other side, but I was met by literally like four hot Disney cops. Who had my ass turned around and out into the far parking lot in no time. So, but all that being said, I mean, I really do think as far as uh, it's one of those rare cases that you need an absolutely enclosed space with access points and entry points. Like if, if you didn't have that, you would have to create it anyway, just to even do this. So it seems like the best possible uh scenario that's been laid out yet i think just the biggest hurdle again is are the players willing to play without fans because that's obviously still going to be a part of this and are superstars like we have in the nba who are some of the more vocal and privileged superstars we have are they willing to separate from their families and you know live in this complex like a college kid you know, like going to a timeshare in Orlando for a couple months to finish the season. I think, you know, they're starting to figure out some of the, uh, you know, the nitty gritty and how it could actually work. And now it's if the players and the players union will will accept what they're going to propose. See, I'm interested in this from one angle because there are a lot like in everything. There is a cast system of Disney hotels. Okay. There oh are, right, is there? There are your okay. Grand Floridian hotels, which is like a like uh, a a like Four Seasons, like the top of the top Ritz Carlton, right? Exactly. And then there's some of your more more budget hotels that are like you know, like you squeeze like a bunch of people into it, and you have a nice little Disney vacation for a bunch of college students. Sure, I'm interested to see which teams get assigned to which hotel. Are like, are is there gonna be a situation where like the Memphis Grizzlies are like assigned to like the Pop Century Hotel, or like the Lakers are at like the Contemporary Resort? Uh, will Kevin Durant uh, be swayed to sign with another team based on where the Nets were placed in hotel? There's so <laughs> much that could happen there, and not to mention, if this happens and they're all in a compound of like five thousand rooms, 
you cannot mean to tell me if Giannis is spending a month in sunshine that he's not going to be convinced that there are other places where he could be with different people. Some some forgery is going to happen, and, oh. and this whole Bucks thing is going to be over. I know it. I know wow. this for a fact. That's an interesting angle on this, the the oodles and oodles <laughs> and oodles of collusion <laughs> oh. that'll come out of something More like than that. More the 2020 you're gonna, election. I'm... Oh, my God. You're going to have, like, seven different uh, uh, engineered super teams <laughs> by the end of this. That's a good point. Imagine how clicky it would get in there, oh like gosh. like the cool table where people are eating <laughs> together or the, or the cool room where they're chilling at night <laughs> or something. It's got to get bad in there. Who do you think are, like, the biggest like dorks of the NBA who probably would get it the worst, like far end of the lunch table. Is it the Lopez oh, brothers? That was exactly what I was going to say. The Lopez <laughs> brothers or like, uh, but they're or, also seven feet tall. Like that's where they can kind of stand up for themselves. They're, yeah. they're gigantic, you know, they're gigantic. Or I just think all of the Europeans are going to be so out of their element with the exception oh, yeah. of like Giannis, but like, Oh, you know who's going to get made fun of the it's most? It's going to be the Euro, the Euro short crew at right, the pool. Exactly. You know? <laughs> it's like it's going to be Chris Stapps is going to just get eviscerated and the entire Toronto Raptors lineup. That's it. Ima- <laughs> imagine a bathing suit that Bojan Bogdanovic wears to the pool. It's got to be ridiculous. Tiny little tiny little Euro short speedo. You know it. Boban is going to have the an entire uh, series on Disney Plus by the end of it. It was already in John Wick 3. He's going right. to have the super yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. There are so many angles for this. Giannis is going to have a thing on, on Disney Plus. That was already in talks before this whole thing. So having him under the mouse is Who's eye. it going to be? Is it going to be Boban and what? Like Kevin Hart or something? <laughs> like My Giant? I'm pretty sure they all ho- already made that with Bruce Willis and Kevin Hart and it was a massive flop. No, 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 Tracy they made, Morgan. Tracy Morgan. They made this in the '90s. My <laughs> Giant with George Murison and Billy Crystal, <laughs> who was an NBA player. So this happened. Oh. So that's that's what I'm thinking. Bobin and Kevin Hart. That might be the reboot. Where you get that one? Crackle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even get your references, kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's a streaming service by Sony, which cool. you can watch for free with ads. I have a publishing deal <laughs> through that company. I don't even know their fucking <laughs> streaming service. I have no idea. Just write me a check. Uh, well, speaking of a check, it's time for the debut of I Don't Want to Be a Gas Bag Anymore. But I don't want to be a-, a gas bag! This segment brought to you by 5G Towers Everywhere, because if our reception doesn't kill you, our takes will. <laughs> Benny, nice. what's your submission for the inaugural I Don't Want to Be a Gas Bag Anymore? So, so... For inaugural, I figured I got to go big. Yeah. I'm still a little hot about Ryan Rossillo and Bill Simmons and their awful Dennis Rodman takes. That's been pretty well-worn this week. A lot of people have been getting them. So I'm going big. Karen Pence, okay? Second lady of the United States. Also, That's who I'm going after. I had no after. idea that her name was Karen, which makes me a little upset. Karen! <laughs> Karen! So... Initially, you know, again, I don't hear too much about Karen Pence, okay? I remember hearing a story a while back where she put beehives at the White House because she believes in an actual ecosystem and stuff like that, which really surprised me. And I was like, oh, maybe she's kind of cool. So, as you know, Mike Pence did not wear a mask on Tuesday to the Mayo Clinic 
saying he previously tested negative for the virus. He wanted people to see his lovely and warm smile, whatever the fuck he was talking about. And Karen came out and said, you know, he didn't know. Uh, He didn't know he was supposed to be wearing one in there. Sweetheart, your husband's the head of the White House's COVID-19 task force. He knows. Come on. This isn't. This is where I need some honesty, Karen. I'm not, I'm not a dumb guy, Karen. I need the truth, Karen. And that's where I need Karen to recognize that this is symbolism. Career politicians know all about it. And if you're in that position, it's a very well-executed decision to not wear that mask. You know what the photo is going to be. Just wear it on your sleeve and don't gas bag me, Karen. <laughs> My submission today is from... Stuart Mandel, who, you know, longtime college football writer. And mm-hmm. so some backstory for this. The NCAA passed a, a, a great piece of legislation uh, that uh, players can get outside endorsements, appearance fees, all of that stuff from people not affiliate, not affiliated with the university. So the colleges still can't pay the kids, but the boosters can, which, you know, that's pretty much how it's been going for years now. So, but one element of this that, you know, people were hoping once players could get paid and they could get compensated for their likeness, that we would see the return of NCAA football, the video game by EA Sports. Great video game. Grew up playing it. Phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. This guy, I think he works for Fox Sports now, is mm-hmm. like landmark day for the NCAA, which after 100 years of strict amateurism rules is finally on board with athletes making money from endorsements and all anyone's talking about is the no video game part well yeah because who cares if if joe schmo from wherever that you don't really know can get paid i want the video game it's been taken yeah. away ever since ed, ed o'bannon stepped in and was like oh they're using my likeness <laughs> well guess what ed o'bannon i'm sorry that your professional career didn't work out and i'm and i'm really happy that these guys are getting paid but all anybody wants is this video game back that's it you're not wrong. That video game is huge. And it was great. Oh, so good. But, I, I mean, is this not the most ridiculous, like, like uh, folding that you've ever seen a league do? Like, people have been hollering at the NCAA for 10, 20, 30 years to let people use their likeness, take a little bit of money, and literally two weeks after the G League signs a couple big guys gets them some money and starts fucking with their money, mm. all of a sudden the rules change. Yeah. They're so transparent, man. That, that organization, what a crock. So, Stuart, don't be a gas bag, man. Come on. Yeah, get out of here, Stu. <laughs> I love it. Karen and Stuart, <laughs> our first two gas bag. Get out of here. Get out of here. All right, Benny, we're at the second half of the podcast, which means nothing because this is not the top of the fold. But you know what is interesting? That little dicky show, Dave, wrapped up its first season on FXX on Wednesday night. And, Benny, I got to say, if, if you have not been watching this show, number one, little Dickie's phenomenal. I've been a big fan of this guy since college. He's funny. He's got a, he's got a good flow. He's a rapper. And this show uh, was brought to you by the people from Curb Your Enthusiasm, mm. uh, one of the main producers. And it, it hits every note that you want. It's a surprisingly deep storyline. The jokes are there. It's phenomenal. But, Benny, here's why I want to bring this up to you. You've been sure. a touring musician for your whole life, pretty much. Eh. Who eh. Eh, who that you've met deserves, yay, needs, 
a their own kind of show and or sitcom. All right. So when you presented me with this, literally like hundreds of people crossed my mind really fast because mm. I'm seeing, you know, a bunch of times by like really like uniquely funny or interesting or talented people. But the thing I know about touring with them is when some of the doors close, when you're in certain situations, when you're individual, they kind of get plainly normal. You know what I mean? In a lot of ways where like you start pulling back uh, the covers in, in a reality show sort of thing or asking these people to act or something like that. I think it's going to be really fucking boring and it's kind of going to go wrong. So one of the things I tried to think was what is the funniest tour I've ever been on and what like brought me the most laughs and quickly I thought of touring with Antarctica Vespucci. Now, when I'm in a van with Chris Farron, Jeff Rosenstock, and Laura Stevenson, they've all known each other for a long time. Laura and Jeff grew up together, basically out in Long Island. And those three have this like natural comic timing where I could easily see a sketch comedy show or a sitcom or something like that coming out of that group. It's one of it's one of the nicest things ever for me because I've always been in the position, you know, I, I'm an, a semi-extroverted person and I like to make people laugh and I like to make a situation feel good. So in a lot of in a lot of times I must have felt a responsibility through the years to like be that guy. And if things feel tense or if things feel weird, I feel like I gotta be the person to step in. And those tours are so easy for me because I'm literally just like folding my hands back, resting in my head and just watching like comedy ensue. And I fucking love it. So that was my first idea. Second idea is this. You take a couple real rock stars that I know, like those real magnanimous, cool rock star types. My first one that I thought of was Alkaline Trio singer Matt Skiba who's just a very, uh, you know, he's one of those people, like, you know, you walk into a bar with certain singers, you know, and they'll just, like, blend into the room, and that's their charm. His charm is the fact that, like, for some reason, there's, like, a spotlight on him all the time, even if there's not. Like, he just glows in a room. He's just one of those people. You're like, oh, I get why you're, like, a rock star and why people are drawn to you. So I thought about pairing him with some salty friends I have. And presenting like a road rules challenge. So we can fill in the blanks about the people, right? But you take like my friend Toby, who's a corrections officer, Middlesex County, born and raised, uh, but also, you know, rides a motorcycle. And when he takes the motorcycle out, he takes beautiful pictures of nature. Just a very interesting, well-rounded guy, but who could like, you know, crush your head like that scene in Game of Thrones. So I thought what would be funny is sort of like uh, uh, sending these two off on like a road rule style road trip where there's like, uh, you know, a Winnebago maybe, staged activities and obstacle courses and watching the hijinks maybe a group of these people could get into. Toss in maybe some of the great like bus drivers and guitar techs and weirdos who are like the lifer road guys that I know who probably do way crazier shit than the actual people in the band. 
toss in a couple of them, throw them in a Winnebago, send them out to the Grand Canyon. I like that one too. Now, there's one other one I thought of, but this one is not an original. Now, if, if you're a Gaslight fan, you probably know who Andy Diamond is. He's a legendary New Brunswick guy, drinker, ripper, huge personality, but, you know, maybe not the greatest athlete in the world. And his good friend Luke, who drummed for a band called X Number 5, had presented a long time ago a series of training Andy Diamond to run a marathon and just following the day-to-day of him, you know, hitting the, uh, the treadmills, sipping on a Clamata, uh, you know, things like that and, and trying to, so, so these are my, my pitches for the, for the little Dave, for the Dave, uh, for the Dave show. You have any good ideas? Yeah, I've got two. Uh, Lay it on the me. first one that I'm going to present to you now at NBA radio, I work occasionally with the bad boy himself, Mr. Rick Mahorn. And if you've been watching the last dance documentary, uh, last week, you know, you kind of learned about the Pistons a, a little bit. And let me tell you something chronicling him after the bad boys and all that stuff. He he still rubs his shoulders with the current day players, but just the way he goes about his life is just on still a superstar level, even though he has all of these kids. And I think the backstory would be interesting, you know, coming up from Hampton, being an under touted player, and then to become the superstar next to Isaiah Thomas. And then now when he's still doing stuff for the Pistons, traveling around, plus my mom yelled at me a bunch growing up. Pe- teachers, all that stuff. Nobody has eviscerated me more in my life than Rick Mahorn. Is that, and it's not like you could say much. So give me an example. I, I don't know this man. Yeah. Say I meet Rick Mahorn for the first time. How, how's that interaction go? Just just lay it out for me. Like like what's what's he like? He'll like size you up and then be like, "Man, I'm done with you." After like <laughs> you say like one slick thing and be like, "Man," and he's always got something to eat. Um, from the other end of my headset, it always sounds like cantaloupe, even though I don't know what else he could be possibly be <laughs> macking on. He's just like, so the amount of disrespect, uh, and I get it. Being a radio producer, not exactly, uh, a position of strength and celebrity, but man, you don't have to be that disrespectful. So Rick Mahorn Ooh. would be one good sitcom. Then the other one, I don't know if anybody that actually listens to the show is also fans of uh, my other project, the Ball and Chain Podcast. Steve and Rebecca, that is just such a 90s ABC sitcom family <laughs> kind of thing going on. Actually, back in the day, when she was uh, recently retired, uh, CBS gave them a first look deal. But, oh, wow. But that show never came to fruition. All right, Benny, we're going to go. We're running out of time here, running out of real estate, if you will. So we're going to go to the tune-up mailbag. You've got mail. Today's tuna mailbag brought to you by AOL because, well, why not? <laughs> and we have a submission today from uh, Miss Suzanne Click, you know, frequent tweeter of the show, frequent listener. Thank you so much for uh, for helping us out here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Stuff. She tweets at the Tunup HQ on Wednesday. The Tunup HQ should have put out an episode today because on this day in musical history. A celebrity was born hot. Happy birthday to our uh, guest, Chris Farron. I love that. I love that <laughs> so much. How did I miss that opportunity, Susan? You're right. Oh, fuck me. I, I, I only texted the king personally. I didn't put out a tweet. 
Man, we should do a, just a, an episode for him next, next year. I'm sure he'd be happy to come on. And he gets to pick the topics and we'll just... And we get the topics right before we start recording. I think that could be a lot of fun. Anyway. Just let them roll. Plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tune-up podcast, two Ps in there, at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the tune-up HQ. Benny on Twitter at Benny Horowitz1. Number one in your minds. Don't forget it. Number one in your hearts. Number one in your public service. And also number one on Twitter. How about that? <laughs> I am at Denny underscore Gallagher, and I've even if you live in my neighborhood, I won't be able to help you with uh, any sort of community-related news. But hey, you know, I'm I'm here for some jokes sometimes. Anyway, Benny, you got anything else? Yeah, Denny, once you find yourself a good doctor, drink a clean cup of water. Make sure you don't have dysentery. I'm scared. And have now, a okay? nice week. I'm right? so scared. I'm not even kidding you right now. Don't drink it, man. Don't drink it. <laughs> don't drink the water. But besides for Denny, everybody else have a good week and everybody love everybody. This has potentially been the last tune-up. <laughs>